Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Greetings and a fine good morning in an overcast skies from the southern Oregon on March 18th, 2016, for another hour of discernment. My guest this morning is uh, Chris Scott from Southern California. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, brothers. Yeah. Well, I just want to kind of recap before we start. Uh, Chris was on last Friday, and we uh, did a study. We read We read the first four chapters of Galatians. And then I had a brother, Michael Smith, sent me a link to to a sermon by uh, uh, Don Fortner called it's and it's entitled Christ in Galatians. When the when this this was the next day after list, our our study on Galatians. It moved me so much, I listened to it three times, and then printed out the PDF file, went to town, and I had dinner, and I read it while I was having dinner. It's quite a message, especially when we understand Arminianism and free willism, and that Larry Phillips and I covered when we read the book, uh, <clears throat> Michael DeSemblin's book on the foundations. So uh, you know this this really this I've listened to it now I listened to it three times I've listened to it I probably listened to this four or five times but it's so instrumental in what we're going to uh, what we're going to talk about because we're going to finish um, Gal- uh, chapters five and six of Galatians so I'm going to play about twelve minutes to introduce you a little bit to to uh, Don Fortner. So, so here it is. I had occasion to have sitting before me all the leaders of this present religious world, denominational leaders, respected theologians, church leaders, those who teach in the seminaries and Bible colleges around the world, if I had occasion to speak to them right now, I would lay this charge at their feet. I lay it at the doorstep of the church of this generation. You frustrate the grace of God and make the cross of Jesus Christ to be of no effect. I know sometimes... You may wonder why I appear angry with this age. It's because I am. You may wonder why I seem to be so stirred up and provoked. It's because I am. 
Diane, I hold the religion of this age in utter contempt. And I want the whole world to know it. Most especially, I want you to know it. When Paul sat down to write the book of Galatians, he was clearly provoked and angry. This book was intended, intended by Paul and intended by God the Holy Spirit who inspired the words we have before us in these six chapters. It was intended to be a deliberate, forceful confrontation. There's no wooing here. There's no uh, gentle persuading here. It's all confrontation. In the book of Galatians, unlike Paul's other writings, there are no friendly greetings, no gentle salutations, no kind, soothing reflections about things in the past. Everything in these six chapters is in-your-face confrontation. To say the least, Paul was a little hot under the collar. Why? What provoked him? What stirred up his anger? What was it that uh, caused this man to be so passionate as he wrote these six chapters? The Galatian churches, churches that God had raised up under Paul's ministry, were being led away from Christ, led away from the gospel, led away from God by false teachers who had sprung up in their midst. Now these men, professing to be the servants of God, were slandering the Apostle Paul, accusing him of being a false prophet, denying the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace in Christ, all the while pretending to be promoting it and defending it. They were trying to make Christianity nothing but a mere extension of Judaism, just like most people our day do. In our day, both in the political world and in the religious world, you hear folks talk about the Judeo-Christian religion. There ain't no such thing. If it's Jewish, it's not Christian. If it's Christian, it's not Jewish. The Galatians were attempting to make Christianity nothing but an extension of Judaism. And the vast majority of people today do as well, conservative and liberal. They did not openly deny that salvation is by the grace of God in Christ. These false prophets did not openly state that Christ is not enough, Christ is not sufficient, or even that works must be mixed with faith if you're really going to be saved. The messengers of Satan are too crafty and subtle to be so open and so forthright. God's servants, all of God's servants, tell you exactly what they mean. False prophets will always couch their words in such a way that you can put any meaning you want to on them. They didn't just openly say that Christ is not enough, that grace is not enough, that you must mix faith with your, or mix works with your faith in order to be saved. They were teaching that salvation is by grace through works, but they didn't state it quite that way. These Galatian heretics taught that true faith is a faith that expresses itself in the observance of Mosaic law. That sounds a whole lot better, doesn't it? True faith is a faith that uh, expresses itself in the observance of the law. And any faith that does not express itself in obedience to the law is false faith and must be suspect. Now, these men in their heresy 
were being embraced by the Galatian churches, and Paul was shocked, abhorred, angry. How could they be confused about this? If salvation is by grace, it cannot be by works. If it is by works, it cannot be by grace. There can be no mixing of the two. The issue at Galatia, unlike the issues that were so horrible at Corinth, and they were horrible, those issues, however, did not threaten the gospel. They did not threaten the glory of God. They did not threaten the souls of men. These issues at Galatia were gospel issues. They threatened the glory of God. Paul never said to the Corinthians, I'm in doubt of you. I'm fearful for you, lest I bestowed labor on you in vain. He did the Galatians. With the Galatians, the error here threatened the truth of the gospel, the glory of God, the finished work of Christ, and the souls of men. And therefore, Paul jumped in, as one fellow put it, with both fists flying. <laughs> he, just, he jumped right into the conflict and stirred things up. He had good reason to be provoked. His anger was justified. Now, let me give you two key verses, and we'll come back and look at them more later. Galatians 2.21. These two verses summarize the things that are at stake in Galatia and the things that are at stake in our day. Galatians 2.21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Well, what does that mean? If righteousness come by the law... What kind of righteousness? Any kind at all before God. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ died for nothing. Christ is dead in vain. That's just about as strong a phraseology as he could have used. Look at chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, boast, lean on, trust in, proclaim, brag about. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Now let's go back to chapter 1 and see the problems at Galatia and Paul's solution for those problems. It is ever the practice of those who oppose the gospel of God's free grace to slander the men who preach it. These legalists at Galatia could not refute Paul's doctrine from Scripture. You cannot refute free grace from this book. <laughs> it can't be done. It can't be done. But uh, the, if you're going to get folks on your side when you oppose that which is evidently true, the only way to do it is to slander the fellow who is preaching it. And so these legalists at Galatia took it upon themselves to accuse Paul of being an insincere man, a man-pleaser, one who sought to please his hearers, not a true servant of God, a false apostle, one who had real, really no authority and no credentials with which to speak to them as God's messengers. If they were to turn people from Paul's message, they had to discredit Paul, and so they did. It is for this reason that the opening verses of this first chapter identify Paul decisively as the apostle of Christ. Not an apostle of men, not an apostle by men, but an apostle of Jesus Christ and an apostle by the will of God. He is an apostle who comes to please Christ and to preach Christ, and God made him that apostle. Now, Paul, with this authority, 
denounces every rival gospel as a false gospel. He tells us plainly in verses 6 through 9 that every gospel, every gospel, listen carefully, every gospel that teaches the sinner to look for righteousness and salvation anywhere except in Christ alone is no gospel at all, but rather is a frustration of the grace of God. And with regard to those who preach another gospel, Paul said this, not Don, Paul. I'm just repeating what Paul said. I wish I had thought to say it first. Paul said it. Let him be forever damned. Let him be accursed. Oh, that's not very sweet. It is to the souls of men. That's not very nice. It is if you're going to be honest with folks. Let him be accursed. Now look at verses 6 through 9. I marvel, I'm astonished that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, not even similar. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be forever damned. Well, how far do you carry that, Paul? Are you, are you speaking in hyperbole here? Let us see. Verse 9. As we said before, so say I now again, just in case you didn't get it the first time. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. The gospel of God's grace, the gospel of God's grace, says done, not do. <laughs> now get it. It's just that simple. All false gospels say do. The gospel of God's grace says done. You see, the gospel is good news about something already done. It is good news about the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his one sacrifice for sin, at one time made an end to transgression, brought in everlasting righteousness, fulfilled all the law, satisfied all the justice of God, put away sin, and obtained eternal redemption for us. The gospel is the announcement of something done by Christ Jesus the Lord. Every false gospel is given as good advice and tells you something you ought to do. Every false gospel comes and says, this is how you ought to respond, and now if you will respond this way, then this is what God will do. The gospel says, done. Every false gospel says, do. And every false gospel, and those who preach it, is heresy, utter heresy. Those who preach it and those who follow them, follow them to hell. Okay, that was uh, that was Don Fortner. Kind of get kind of get him giving us a recap of where we're going today in Galatians five and six. But I think it's so important that we look what Galatians chapter one says, chapter one eight and nine again. Let it slowly sink in. But, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you that which we have preached unto you, 
let him be accursed. And this is what, when the first, when Chris and I did this last Friday, you know, this stuck out. And Don mentioned it. If you don't get it the first time, let's, verse 9 repeats, as we said before, to say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Do you have a com? Would you like to have a comment on uh, Chris on this? Yeah, it's you know Don illustrates the true sovereignty of God in the election process. Interesting in the second admonition in verse nine. It says, if any man preach any other gospel, he's reiterating this is from verse 8, unto you that ye have received. It doesn't say accepted. As Don said, Brother Don, he said, it's done. Okay, and the Lord gave it to us and we received it. You know, without any, any action on our part. But you can look at you can look at one of the most overlooked verses, yet important verses in the Gospel of John. In John chapter one, verse thirteen, it says, "To as many as received him." I think a modern translation has changed that to "accept him." In other words, what Don was saying is, "What man, the do? Well, you don't. It's done. The done deal." Done from the from the beginning of the world by God, not by us. And, and yes, so important what one little word will do to flip flip a message. So that's when we, when you're reading these modern versions, you have to be real careful on what what, what each word says because this is so plain. This is written in fourth grade level, McCain James is. And uh, it reads like no other book. So, so we're going to, I'm going to read, uh, Chris, uh, starting in chapter five in, uh, in Galatians. And you stop me at any time when you want to make a comment. Okay. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Could you comment on that? What 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 is uh, Paul talking about here? Well, I believe the, it's the free grace again. It's, it's doctrine, really. And if you receive the true doctrine, you know, for example, the, the five you know, the the doctrines of grace as opposed to what common Jacob Arminius taught that it's on you, up to you, whatever. That's what he's talking about if you receive another gospel than what Christ taught. Ta- Christ taught the simplicity of the gospel that it's given to you, you receive it. John... 14:15 says I have 
I have chosen you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and ordained you to eternal life. I'm paraphrasing, but you can check that out. John 14, 15, chapter 14, verse 15. But I think the key here is, is doctrine. And if God lays this beautiful doctrine upon us, well, then we are one of his. If he overlooks us, and that's God's sovereign will to pass you by, before you were ever born, that's when it was all decided. That is, you can't add yourself to the book of life in time. Christ, God will effectuate that in your life, in, in the course of your lifetime. But you, can't, you don't have a hand in this. You, you, can't, you can't say, well, I'm going to accept Jesus and, and, and get myself in that book of life so when I die I get to go to heaven. That is the most ridiculous thing, and that's the crux of the Arminian false gospel that pervades the whole United States today, and most of Europe, and all of Christendom, so-called Christendom. And uh, Don talked about the do and done. It's, In other words, it's done, and it's not something that we're going to have to do. Uh, There's nothing we can do. Because the, the do... The do puts you in bondage, wouldn't wouldn't you wouldn't you say the do puts you in bondage? Brother, I would say that everybody that thinks that they have a hand in this and they can accept Jesus according to their own so-called free will is in bondage, right? Doctrinally and eternally. Well, the reason I stopped on that is uh, I've I've read that verse many many times. But it's not putting it into context with what, because what, I mean, this is, uh, this is chapter five, and, uh, and you, to, to really understand this verse, you have to read all four of those first four chapters to get the full meaning of what he means by, therefore, in the liberty with, with, wherewith Christ has made us free. Christ has made us free. That's so easy to jump over that, you know. Well, it's so easy to jump over the, the, the Bible itself. It's the, it's the best-seller book of all time, yet I believe it's the least-read book of all time. Sad to say. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go on, uh, uh, Chris. Uh, verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify against, for, for excuse me, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth. The persuasion cometh not of him, and calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. 
I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be, you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubles you should bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, yeah, brother, brother, excuse me, brother. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You can take this true gospel, and you can just stick a little bit of leaven, like into bread, and erase the bread. Well, you, leaven is also can be considered false doctrine or poison, and can can queer the the, the original true gospel. It can thwart it. Just a little. It, let's let's look at Satan. How does he work? He gives you a lot of truth, and he just sticks in just a little bit of lie. Just a little, couple of little lies, but a whole lot of truth. And he has thwarted the word, the message. That's how subtle he is. And he really loves this free will stuff. This is the same thing that he proclaimed when he fell from grace, you know, or from heaven, you know, and God in God's face. and said, well, look, I have a free will. I mean, that's basically the fall of uh, Satan, is, or, or Lucifer. He's Lucifer in heaven. He became Satan. And also, wouldn't you say free willism started in the garden? Yeah, pretty much. Satan, Satan again, enticed uh, Eve, and Eve. it was Eve that was in the transgression. And Adam just went along with, had it have been you and your wife or my wife and myself, we would have all fallen the same way. It's it's just inevitable that it had to happen this way. There's no way around it. So we can't, you know, we, we blame Adam and Eve. Well, it would have been us as well falling because Christ died from the foundation of the world. So in the councils of time past, before God ever made the world, he knew they knew they well the Trinity knew they would create create mankind and mankind would fall. And Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, was was commissioned by the Council of God's Trinity to go and reconcile man back to God, the Father, as a result of that inevitable fall. That happened in the garden. I'm, verse, I'm going to start again at verse 10. And I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased? I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. For, for, brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love to serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you, ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, emulations, wrath, stride, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like of that which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be disserious. Of vain Desire, glory. Desirous. Dyrus. Desire. Dyrus. Okay. Yeah, let us not be dyrus of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, chapter 6. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Consider thyself lest thou also be tempted. You know, have you, you know, I think all of us have been affected and, you know, we've, we've, we've experienced this and witnessed this in our life over and over. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such and an one in the spirit of meekness Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And uh, there's a time and place for everything, but in the world, you know, and Rome is the leader in this, but uh, it's called excommunication. I call it throwing somebody under the bus. And uh, Rome has been... a been a leader in this all through history. You got a comment? Chris? Yeah, I'd rather be thro- I'd rather be thrown in the under the bus than be a, a partitioner in the, in the Romish Church. This next uh, verse two: Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What did Christ say was the full full meaning of the law or the Ten Commandments? He really capsulized it in the first two commandments. Love God with your whole heart, mind, and strength, etc. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus told the Pharisee that who said this, who answered correctly, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven. So Paul's just reiterating this and telling us that, you know, we should uphold, lift up our, our neighbor, treat our truly treat our neighbor as ourself, love our brother in Christ, and try and share the truth to those that are that are perishing. Most are. It's like uh, plucking a, a brand from the fire. Could you can you hear me all right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. <clears throat> It could it, would I be overstating this or what goes around comes around? Well, that's a common worldly saying. I knew someone very close to me years ago that used to say that all the time, and it and it didn't get her anywhere. That's true. I think she got. Uh, I think she got around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could see. I I see your point here. Uh, I see the the point you're trying to make, but you know, um, I'm thinking of in Proverbs. I can't go to it right now. You know, uh, how's that? You might have it on your tip of your tongue. A soft answer turns around. Turn it the way around. Yeah, yeah. Well, because uh, uh, because there's a there's a lot in that, and I think that's what you know. You know, you you uh, you, you what you reap is when when the wrath comes out, you know, it, it you know, it comes right back and bites you. <clears throat> right. Verse That's two. why we, we should, Wait, after the first or second, after the first or second admonition, reject as a heretic. They try to give us this free will stuff. And we try to share with them the free, free grace of Christ, Jesus. The Bible tells us after the first or second admonition, reject their heretics. And we're not to cast our pearls before swine. I think God has, you know, when God closes one door, he seems to open another door. You know, so we're to go on and, 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 and share the good news with those that are receptive to it. And God's sheep will, they may not know it yet, but they will be receptive to the truth of free grace. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. You ever been guilty of that, Chris? Oh, uh, every day. <laughs> yeah. That's that pride, you know, uh, you know that crops yeah. up. That, that's not a loaded question, is it? <laughs> no, it's a factual no. question. Mm-hmm. Demands a response. Yeah. But let every man, okay, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, 
But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. What spirit is he? What is spirit is he referring to there, Chris? Well, blew my nose. Excuse me. Let every man prove his own work, and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone, and not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Jesus said, "Bear your own cross." Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that is teaching in all good things. Be not deceived; God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man shall show, soweth that shall he also reap. Well, it's pretty self-explanatory. That's the question for for that for he yeah, that soweth. Yeah, what's your comment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for he that's, well, it's self-explanatory right here. It says, for he that soweth to his flesh shall reap, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. No, my uh, question corruption, was, death. My, my question was, what's, what, what is he talking about, Paul talking about the Spirit? What is he referring to? Well, that's Christ's Spirit in every, every son that, that he bought. That's, that's, you know, that's the point. That's the simplicity of it again. You know, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Wouldn't you call that free will? Well, sure, and that's death. That's spiritual death. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, eternal death. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do again. No, no, excuse me, I skipped a verse here. I'm going to go back to nine. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. What's he referring to there, Chris? Yeah, he's referring to all men, exactly, to all. And that's everybody. We're to be nice and kind and, you know, and a neighbor to our neighbors, and whether they be in Christ or not. But it is our duty to share with them the, the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's a comma there. Let us do good unto all men, there, comma. Yeah, especially, and men is italicized. Yeah, men is italicized, especially, but it's, Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Who is he talking about? Yeah, well, those are our brethren. Those are, yeah, especially to our own in Christ, as we are. In other words, uh, we are to do, we are to treat our, our neighbor, our unsaved neighbor civilly, and as we'd want to be treated. But in the case of our own brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ, we're to go a little farther with them. That's, I that's would say quite a bit farther because they're in Christ as we are. You know, Jesus right. said, love the brethren. You know, I mean, love one another was one of his parting shots before he ascended into heaven. And he told Peter to feed my sheep and feed my lambs and feed my sheep and you know, he told him three times. Yes, and and uh, and that, that's because that's what especially unto them. In other words, you know, we're supposed to, you know, share each other's burdens and and have a little bit of, you know, 
understand when we understand our flesh, we can understand our brother's flesh, our brother's flesh. You know. Well put. Mm. Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. <laughs> those are Judaizers. Those are those are Jews that see that the, the faith came first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. But the Judaizers gave Paul all kinds of problems because these were Jews that thought they were Christians, but but they would uh, recruit other, you know, even Gentiles and tell them that they had to be physically circumcised or keep... Circumcision is just, a, is just really basically saying... It could be the actual act of, you know, the, the, the surgical act of that. There's nothing wrong with if you're a baby and you're circumcised, you know, that you have no control over that. that that's a medical cleanliness thing, you know, or it's supposed to be. But, but when, when Paul talks about circumcision, he's talking about the law, you know. And, and the Judaizers wanted the, the, the new Gentiles that were coming into Christianity to be like them. And to hold, in other words, they wanted them to become Jews before they got to be Christians and do all the Jewish stuff. And Paul's saying, no, that's not right. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to go abide by that, that, that Jewish stuff. See, that takes me to this Judeo-Christian ethic. You've heard the term, we're a Judeo-Christian ethic. No, we're not. There's nothing, you know, like, like, like Brother Fordner said, you know, in that 12-minute thing at the beginning. It, there's, there's no connection. Either you're Jewish or you're Christian. There's no Judeo-Christian ethic. And it's sad. Most churches are teaching that, you know, a Judeo-Christian ethic. And, and they lift up that, that piece of desert over there, that Zionist piece of desert over there in the so-called Holy Land that is unholy. It was holy when Christ walked there. And, uh, well, that's good because uh, we, we, uh, we see the same thing going on. Sometimes, you know, you, uh, I know in, the, in times past that I have focused so much on Rome. Uh, but uh, what we're just talking about here is uh, it's not only Rome. I mean, this is the world. I mean, this is the ecumenical world, and we found out that the word ecumenical uh, comes from the Council of Trent. So when you see anything that's referring to ecumenical movement, you're, you're talking about Rome again, you know. Right, or the, ch the Church of Rome, the, the so-called universal or Catholic Church. Catholic just means universal, but the, the, the Roman Catholic Church, now that's something, that, that's a Leviathan. Mm -hmm. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcised for for in Christ Jesus neither circumcised availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. 
You know, you know this, 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 these, you know, these last two verses. I want to go back up to fourteen and just put these, you know, really print this in your head because when you, because I now that I see, now that I understand these two verses a little bit, I, I have a little bit more vision. <laughs> but God forbid that I should glory save on the cross of our Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ yeah. Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. You good comment? Yeah, well, you don't want to be part. Uh, Fourteen is basically saying you don't want to be part of this wicked world. Uh, I think Jude puts it as you don't want to be spotted by the world, you know, and the cares of the world and the and the tripe. Uh, uh, false gospels of the world and just the people of the world can so quickly affect us and draw us away from the love of the Lamb laying from the foundation of the world. You know, but this this 15, you know, I just look at this like, for in Christ Jesus, a new creature in other words, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision or the keeping of the law. No, none of that avails anything, so that's negative. But in Christ Jesus, a new creature. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're a new creature. Forget all that old law stuff, that keeping of the law. We do the best we can. We're not antinomians, per se, but... Uh, no, well, it's Christ Jesus that makes us the new creature. That's the focus. Uh, you, you, can you expound a little bit on that word, uh, Antinomian? I can't pronounce it. How do you, how an, anti an antinomian is somebody that says, well, I'm saved by grace, so I can go freely sin sin it up, because where, grace, where, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Now, that's hypocritical, you know. Now we're granted we sin, but we you know I don't think I don't think we as brethren get into gross sins like we did before the Lord had mercy on us and saved us according to His kindness towards us. So the antinomian is just someone that thinks, well, I can just live light now that I'm saved, and he can even believe what we believe, but that but they but they're so enticed by the world. It's a kind of an evidence that perhaps they weren't ever really truly saved. But they go live like the, you know, I'm saved, so I'm going to go live like the devil, commit all kinds of gross sins, and the Lord's going to for, continually forgive me, and, you know, and I can just continue and die that way. I don't have a lot of faith in that kind of lifestyle. That's uh, That's called antinomianism, and that's what, some people taught as a result of the of the scripture verses that say where where Paul well Jesus through Paul says uh, let, let us let us sin that grace may abound this is the answer to what I just said about uh, you know where sin abounds grace does much more abound Paul later asked the question should we sin so grace grace can abound God forbid. Well, that's, also, that's the term. That's the term used for those that uh, run roughshod over over their grace and their salvation. 
you know, you I heard this. Ter- if they were ever safe. <clears throat> I heard this term, and I hear, you know, freedom of conscience, you know, and Christ give us freedom of conscience. In other words, we are we are a fallen state. We are sinners, but Christ has given us a conscience that we. You know, we're set free in Christ. Well, and as soon as, as you know, you, you, we know right now every word that we're saying here on this broadcast, we know that Christ is hearing every single word. So we guard our mouth, you know, and, uh, and co- of course, uh, we see this in the world today where where organized religion, especially Rome, has been the, the kingpin of it, of taking freedom of conscience away. And it's, you know, of course, and we all we see this in the evangelical world, and we also see this in the ecumenical world. I mean, you're you're not to have your they they want your conscience so they can control your conscience. They, I heard it the other day. They bind they bind our conscience. Isn't that applicable here? Oh yeah. Here's, you know. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, they like the Judaizers or the or anyone that tries to sway you away from truth. And I don't they don't do it unless they're just so devilish that they know what they're doing, but most people really aren't even aware of it, you know, of what they're doing. I you know you know what I as I move around now and I, uh, you know, and I went to a dinner last night because I worked till late. And anyway, and I was just, I was right next to a table and I was listening to the conversation because I was pretty close. I couldn't help from listening, you know, and, uh, and, you know, not, I'm not judging these people, but I mean, the, when, the, when you go out into the world, uh, they're not thinking of God. They're not talking about God. And, uh, you know, the world is talking now about uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> you know, and the fact that we might have a, a new dynasty with the Clintons, you know. I mean, that's where the world is talking, you know. You know, but our conscience is with Christ, and in other words, and when you when you when you have a Christ conscience, it, it seems to it seems to uh, reveal exactly what's going on. It, it seems like to me I, anymore. I, I I'm a, I'm a good li- a listener now. I'm a good listener. I mean, I I I, I want to listen because to what they're what they're saying. So I'm going to go back to. Uh, uh, I'm going to start with 15 again. But for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many has walked according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. That, that's very important, right there. The Israel of God. Let's nail this right now. The right. Israel of God is is spiritual Israel, not this place over there in the desert fighting the Palestinians. They're all Semites. They're all they're all descendants of Abraham. 
So you curse the you curse either faction, you know, according you know, but they, they just look at it like the like the state of Israel. That's what they lift up. That's what that's what a lot of these preachers just lift up Israel beyond Jesus Christ himself. And I'm frankly sick of it. Who is the Israel of God? The Israel of God are you, me, our brethren, anyone that trusts Jesus completely for his salvation, who God has freely given them free grace, and we've received it, not because we did anything, but because Jesus did it all and finished it on the cross and shed his blood for those that he came to die for. Again, going back to how simple the gospel is, let's just keep it simple. Because we don't have, we don't want any part of it. I mean, we don't want any part of the action. We're passive in the translation of our sin-sick soul to a to a, a regenerated soul. We are passive. God is active. We are passive. Man has taken it upon himself to become active in this process, and he's erred horribly. And as Ron, as Don mentioned. It's the it's do and done. They want to do, and they don't want to accept that it's been done. So let's read that verse again. That's a powerful verse. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I want to go back to 17 there. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in a, my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I think it's really important that all of us that are on this call and are God's, God's elect to understand that, and you, you know, it's I, 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 it's through the many times that God said that if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Amen. And they persecuted Paul, you know, the Judaizers, and they wanted to kill him because he was doing their bidding and killing Christians, and then. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and and turned him around. Paul had no free will in that. That was ordained of God. Paul was actually compelled out of his own control to become a Christian. Well, so was Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah 2.9, salvation is of the Lord. He came to realize that. He hated the Ninevites. God told him to go talk to, you know, go, go uh, witness to the Ninevites. They, they were at war with you, with with uh, with Israel, at the time. They were arch enemies. God told Jonah to go there, and and he gave him another, I believe, four hundred years until he destroyed them. But the, from the king down to the lowest lowest citizen in Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes at the word of of Jonah. It takes a preacher. How can they hear without a preacher? 
in uh, I think uh, the message, uh, the Christ of Galatians, Don Fortnier, in his sermon. You know. You know, makes it so clear, and if you, uh, I, I think you can, <laughs> you get to. I mean, I, I've probably listened to it four or five times now. You know, it's a. Uh, there's a really, there's really a message in Galatians that I never. In other words, how can you see without a? I mean, I, and I want to also say, uh, <clears throat> like yesterday. This is a quote. Uh, from Don. Now, Don's a fleshy man. He's a sinner just like anybody else, okay? We're not elevating Don Fortner. But this is his quote from him. He says, only one question matters. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? When you first begin to believe, and who was preaching when you first believed is totally irrelevant. In fact, yesterday is irrelevant. Does thou believe on the Son of God? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, in other that's words. the first. That's the first belief system. What Jesus taught the apostles. All these other doctrines that have that have uh, uh, crept in unawares. You can't use those free will doctrines as the first. If that's the first thing you ever heard, you don't use that as criteria concerning the verse you're talking about. You search out the scriptures to see what the original doctrine is, mm-hmm. and that's that's free grace through through Christ's finished work alone, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. <clears throat> well, Chris, I, I I really appreciate you coming on the broadcast, and I just want to make a an announcement. I'm I'm not going to be broadcasting here for the next couple of weeks, and the reason why. Is I got to do do some uh, redirecting on my web page, and uh, uh, in other words, uh, I, I, what and, uh, you know, like uh, like Chris and Larry Phillips, uh, uh, they, I mean, I knew about Sermon Audio, uh, uh, you know, and I listened a couple times, but uh, not knowing really what the gospel was. Uh, didn't know what to look for when I went to Sermon Audio. So uh, what uh, what I want to do is build a, build a little web page, and I've already started it. It's called The Sovereignty of God, Natural versus Spiritual Israel. And that's just a, just a, and because there's some real uh, nuggets, real, there's there's a lot of good sermons up there Except you know, and but there's just as many there. You know, and the truth of it is, you know, I don't know the percentage, but the percentage of it is Armenian. But now that we know the gospel, see, in the true gospel, now we can go gold panning and find the nuggets and listen to the nuggets and let no man deceive you and understand when you're listening to a man of God, a, ch- a chosen man that's given a sermon he is just as fleshy as you are and that not to uplift and make a hero of one particular man because because uh, it'll all you'll always be let down by another man but christ won't let you down as long as we're on the center 
and I'd like to do some, uh, you know, I've, I've found some, I've found some and I've, I've, I've just got to build my, my page because you see, you see, uh, when you, when you make a mistake and we all do on a daily base, whether you're a carpenter or, or a plumber, or doesn't you, you make a mistake? You got to admit you made a mistake, and you got to correct it. You know, and that's where uh, where Walt Stickles at. I mean, uh, I got some things up there on my web page that uh, got to come down. I got a lot of web work to do, and and my garden is spring is coming, and uh, and I. Uh, I had I got an email from Larry Phillips this morning about about Band in Oregon, you know, and I, got I watched that too. Be- beautiful up there. Well, you know, and the thing of it is, it kind of you know, it sounds kind of crazy, but I brought tears to my eyes because I've walked every all those beaches hundreds of times with my my dog Sam, you know, and uh, and I realized just what a beautiful place and where God has put me. I mean, you know, you know, and we, you know, how man looks up to people that are successful and how rich they are and how, how rich they are in, uh, in money. Success is major there. You know, money has a lot to do with, and I realized, uh, you know, how God, how good God has been to me. So anyway, uh, 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 I'm going to keep the, you know, so I'm going to be doing some web page pages and and uh you might uh tune in to uh, michael adams broadcast michael adams is going to do be doing some uh, uh there's going to be some places there's going to be some fellowship on on he's going to have some fellowship calls plus bible studies and uh, and i uh i'm just kind of a little i'm kind of overwhelmed by finding all these nuggets and which nugget i want to <laughs> You know, it's kind of overwhelming. It's humbling. It's really humbling. The go- the gospel humbles you when you realize what it what it really versus what the world is teaching. You know, and I had a chance to kind of witness yesterday to a young man in in South Africa, and this is how I witnessed to him. I know he has read the Bible, and I know he's had his fill of all the hypocrisy that he sees and. The modern day world in religion, and Don Fortnier addressed that at the start of the message of today's message. So, how did I witness to him, man, a young man that's in, in deep depression, has given up in the world, has studied all about the Freemasons, and he knows all about the apostasy of the papacy. I I didn't I told him to read the first two chapters of Ephesians, you know, and he 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 questioned me several times. He wanted to know what what I where I was going, but I said I don't want my spin on Ephesians one and two. But I don't care who who you are, you know, if you sit down and read Ephesians 1 and 2, it's going to move you. I mean, it's going to shake up your little world. And you're going to be able to look out into the world and see that they're not preaching Ephesians 1 and 2. 
there's not a mega church out there. There's not, you know, I mean, and I used to say this, if it's in the phone book, it's, you know, it's a lie, you know, but I know you can't say that literally, but, uh, uh, because, uh, but there are a lot of sources out there and I, my, I'm, I want to change my focus a little bit into a Christ centered life instead of a, Roman Catholic centered research life, you know, because it's good. I'm I'm thankful. And matter of fact, when I come back, I, I I'm you know I I'm going to talk a little bit about it, you know I'm you know. But the thing of it is, the thing of it is, if you know Ephesians one and two, and you read it slowly and let every word sink into your head you will see the papacy, okay? You will see the Antichrist. And then you'll look into John, and you'll see the many Antichrists that John talks about. Anyway, you got a closing comment, um, uh, Chris? Well, you know, Ephesians 1 and 2, like you said, they really don't want to touch that. And if they, if they do preach on it, they mess it all up. I, I've said this before about Ephesians. It's beautiful because it, it, it demonstrates and qualifies the fact that all of this salvation stuff is a done deal. Because if you read Ephesians 1 and 2 closely, you see that everything that Paul, through Jesus Christ, is telling us has already been done. It's all, if you know tenses in the English language, you know, you've got your past, present, and future tenses. And most of this is written in the past tense, as it's already been completed. Now, what can we add to that in 2016? Nothing. And another one they don't want to—they don't want to read. Most churches, and if they do, they—they they horribly destroy the meaning or twist it to their own destruction. Is Romans nine, Romans nine, and Ephesians one and two. I would—I would, I would uh, urge everyone to read those slowly and carefully compare scripture with scripture uh, well you, you know in chris so I'll, I'll put one i you know that's some i that's very very profound some of what you just said chris and i just want to add one more to it is uh read john chapter three and read it the chapter in context and then you'll understand john three sixteen. You know, and because uh, that's another chapter that is mis mis misinterpreted uh, and, and and used for the for the Armenians uh, to pass on their false their false gospel. Well, you know, brother, they they like to pick and choose and twist. Mm -hmm. Well, well, listen, listen. I'm going to close this down. Uh, if anybody uh, wants to call in and uh, and uh, do some fellowship, and they can, but I'm going to close the recorder, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. But uh, you you know how to reach me, and I, you know, fellowship. The most important thing <laughs> of the broadcast here is is that we learn and we have some fellowship. Just you know, so for that, I'm going to close the recording down. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.